This episode is brought to you by Hyperice, the leader in advanced warm-up and recovery technology. They have tons of innovative products, like Venom-heated wearables to help soothe sore back muscles, Normatec compression boots to speed up recovery and increase circulation, and Hypervolt massage guns to improve mobility. Loved by athletes like Naomi Osaka and Erling Holland. Try them yourself. Get 10% off your order with the code MOVE at hyperrice.com. How does Kyrie help the Nets? Which teams are under and overrated? Can Utah finally get to elite status? The only question left is, say it with me, you win. Hey! Sports fans, Coach Nick here, and welcome to the Beatball Breakdown live show slash podcast slash hangout with Jared Weiss. As always, I am joined by the Jared Weiss, uh, who's still out there lurking. Uh, it's good to see you. Have, we haven't lost you completely yet on, during the offseason, Jared. How are you doing? I'm lurking. Is this what I get for offseason treatment now? You do. We all, yeah, we all, lurk. there's a little lurker in all of us, isn't there? I guess so. You know, I mean, I, I've I mean, been lurking. I managed to sneak into your house pretty late at night uh, when I was staying with you at <laughs> L.A. before Vegas. So yes. I, guess, I guess I have a salvage reputation, but it's yes. been too long. This is our first show. Do we even do a show after Vegas or has it been? Oh, we not been for a while. Yeah, not after Vegas. We did one like in the midst of the uh, free agency in San Diego. That's Day, I right. Okay. But, uh, you know, no, we haven't. And I didn't even see you in Vegas. Uh, you, were, you were obviously too busy hobnobbing. I did some I did some hobbing with some nobbing. I'm not sure how the verb works there. But yeah, I uh there's still so much that we haven't even gotten to. And I thought why don't we do another live pod now? Because pretty much nothing is happening in the league at this point, but there's still some really interesting things that impact both on court and off the court. But also I thought it'd be a good chance for us to talk about how some of the new acquisitions will fit with their new teams, guys like D'Lo, Kyrie, Mike Conley. I guess basically just all the point guards that switch uh, to new teams. Yeah, yeah, all the all-stars that have now on different teams. So, uh, okay, well, since you're the man who's got the organizational skills, uh, let's let's jump off with with one of those you just talked about. Should we talk about um, – I, I did a video on D'Lo to the Warriors, but I've been looking at a video for tomorrow for Kyrie with the Nets, and I kind of feel like we should, we should kick off with that while it's completely fresh in my mind. What do you think? Is that okay? Sure. I've, I'm somewhat familiar with Kyrie Irving. You are. Okay, now let me ask you this. Did he pull a LeBron game, whatever that was, against the Celtics with Cleveland before he left the first time in this playoffs? What? What do you mean? Like as far as like like just gave up? Or? I, you know, I was unaware oh. of the, of the stats. I suppose his last like five games in the playoffs, but apparently, yeah, that entire that entire Buck series games two through five, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah, that was that was like a full. That was like in twenty ten when LeBron just right. shut down with five minutes left, and I was I was still a, a fan at that point. I was like in college, I think, and I remember watching him. And like he wasn't even crossing half court, and you could just see he was already done with Cleveland about halfway through the fourth quarter. It was pretty sad. And Anderson Varish, I was like, "What the hell are you doing, LeBron? We're still playing." Right. And yeah, Ky- Kyrie. The the irony is that Kyrie wasn't necessarily like giving up as much as he was just he was like ditching the plan. He was just like pulling a Steve Bomber and just throwing the card off the podium. Um, you know, he just started taking wild shots. Uh, a big thing that he was doing that was so crazy was that he kept calling for switches for defenders to come off of Giannis so he could pick up Giannis at the three-point line, which when I was seeing that, I was thinking 
maybe he's trying to take on Giannis first because he knows Giannis is going to get past him. So he's trying to feed Giannis into help. But then that just completely fell apart. And I think I started to realize he literally is just trying to screw things up. So, yeah, it was uh, it was weird. It was wow. Okay. So, well, now we got to deal with how he's going to fit in with the Nets. And, you know, so I'm looking at all the positive things right now. I think the video is going to be basically centered on, like, what the Nets should run to help him get his shots off and, you know, in, in their offense. So I'm looking at all the good stuff that he's doing. And um, when you're comparing that to D'Angelo Russell, and I was kind of going to do a thing like, you know, why he's an upgrade, but I think we all understand that. Uh, the shooting, it's just, it's not even close how much better. Kyrie is now that said he's older and wiser and more skilled and has just more time on this earth to have been practicing all these things so there's a caveat there but as of the first day of the season starting you know in this fall he is just going to be a much better shooter a much more much better finisher than Russell ever was for the Nets I like your choice of the the word wiser in that description <laughs> it's an interesting choice um but yeah, I mean the the big thing that he can do is he can finish at the rim really well. Mm-hmm. Not not he's not great at finishing at the rim, but he's pretty creative. I think efficiency wise, he's you know pretty. I think is very good for the usage that he has. Um, I'll have to bring up his shot chart in a minute. But oh, I already I, have it up. Wait, I gotta find okay, it. But great. yes, no, he is. I, I think yeah. You, you, what your what was your phrase for how much better he was? How much better is Kyrie than Russell? That I said just now, or did I yeah. say it earlier? Well, okay, because we, we agree he's better. Right now, I'll just tell you this right right now. Uh, less than five feet from the rim, D'Angelo Russell was 53.1% um, uh, field goals on 3.3 attempts per game last year in the regular season. Kyrie, in the same uh, thing, was 60.5% on 5.4 attempts per game. So it's I mean, it's, it's like apples and oranges in a way. It's, he's just much better. Yeah, and Kyrie is is a very good finisher at the rim uh, for his position and his role. And frankly, I mean, his degree of difficulty is some of the best in the game. Uh, but his, you know, there, there's legit criticism about how he finishes compared to some other point guards that are a similar size. Um, you know, he's I don't think he's as good at Steph as a finisher right at the rim. His floater game is just about the best in the league. One, probably one of the best in my lifetime. It's not quite Tony Parker S, but it's still pretty great. Yeah. Um, you know, Ky- Ky- Kyrie's big thing is that he he raises the degree of difficulty on his deep shooting too much. And yeah. he needs to be a better decision maker about the types of deep shots that he takes. And also the classic just more evolved uh, dispersion of that he takes too many mid range shots. And, you know, I, I think that we should all be comfortable with guys taking a few mid range shots a game, but. You want to keep it as low as possible and just try to make as much effort as possible to when you're coming over a screen, stop short and make sure you get that toe behind the line. And he's generally good at that, but he tends to kind of just get into these funks where he really wants to get to his 18 footer and just takes a lot of 18 footers or really wants to get to his running fade away from the right corner. You know, it's funny. This reminds me of um, Brandon, the, who's the lefty who played for the Bucks. He went you know overseas first, Brandon. Brandon Jennings, uh, I think that he kind of, and not that he invented it, but I, I think uh, when he came in the league, he would take really difficult shots and just sort of take the pressure off himself. Like, if I made it, that's amazing, great. And if I miss it, eh, it was a really hard shot. And I kind of feel like Kyrie does that sometimes too and gets in those modes where, you know, it's like, yeah, these are just not good shots. And he's, and he, but he's like trying to take the pressure off of himself to actually produce. But nonetheless, Yes, he is a wizard with the basketball, but with dribbling. Uh, and you know, and by the way, D'Lo also has a great 
can handle too. So I mean, it's it's not really like we can compare them so much. It's going to be radically different either way in my mind. But um, what I'm looking forward to is certainly Kenny Atkinson's going to find a lot of pistol action, a lot of 21 stuff. They're going to see some handoffs, some inside ball screens in the wing, very similar to what we saw with Boston. I think some of the special stuff that Brad Stevens ran for him that they should do are all the kind of back screens into a handoff or when Kyrie will cross screen and then get his own or, or, or Kyrie will screen somewhere and then get his own ball screen. Like that's what I thought was more interesting These multiple actions off the ball and then coming back onto the ball to get it opened up a lot of space for him to then be as creative as he possibly can. And um, I have no doubt that that's what the net staff is doing right now is they're probably pouring through the, the Celtics footage to figure out, okay, we have that. We don't have that. Let's add this. Um, I, I, and I, I don't see, I mean, the the baseline for his production has to be at minimum what he did in Boston last year. Would you agree? Yeah, I mean, everyone talked about uh, Kyrie's regular season as being a, like a great season for him. I thought it was a very good season, but I was watching all those games and you know feeling like the glass was only half full, really. So I think there's clearly another level. I mean, Kyrie could be uh, he could put up numbers pretty comparable to Steph. He's not going to ever shoot at that efficiency level, but. I mean, if you give him the volume that he's probably going to get on this Nets team, he could put up 28 points a game pretty easily, I think. So, you know, Kyrie is going to be a dark horse uh, MVP candidate if the team doesn't completely fall apart, which you assume the team is going to gel around him better than in Boston because of the environment that they've already established with the same personnel being in, I think, the same roles that they were already in. Because with Boston, the huge part of it was just so too many roles clashing at the same time. If you approach all sports the way I do with basketball, then you must be an informed viewer, ready to put some of your money down on the games. Baseball season is in full swing, and it's never been more exciting to place a wager using betonline.ag. It's a long season, there are plenty of games to choose from, and because you're in the conversation, I'm giving you an extra 50% added onto your sports betting bankroll when you go to clnsmedia.com slash bball and use code CLNS50. Best part is, the bonus will be added onto your balance within seconds. Again, support my podcast by going to clnsmedia.com slash bball and use code CLNS50. A minimum deposit of 25 bucks is required to qualify for the bonus. Please see BetOnline's general rules for additional terms and conditions regarding bonuses. Uh, I think he got up to seven assists per game, which is a career high for him uh, last year. And it's about the same as D'Lo had. Uh, let's see here. They both actually, Russell was at 7.0 and Kyrie was at 6.9. Uh, but Kyrie did play 33, uh, three extra minutes. So uh, pound for pound, Russell was a, like a better facilitator. And I think he is. I think Russell has a sort of Minimal a better difference. vision. What's that? Minimal difference. But, yeah, I think that there were definitely plays where I, Kyrie kind of strikes me as somebody who passes for the sake of making the play rather than for the sake of being a distributor. Yeah, uh, I think he's I think he's a little a little opportunistic in the way that he passes for sure. Okay, and then I think in, in to, to to make more clear what you're trying to say is like you're, you're pulling a Bob Mueller on us. Uh, I think what it means more is like he will just he'll make the easy pass, right? He'll sort of as he's coming off like that's the pass in front of him. He sees it, he can make it. Um, I don't think he's going to make these, you know, the right-handed hook pass across the court to the to the left corner, you know, for a wide open three. Is that what you kind of mean? Can you repeat the question? So the idea being no, no, that I'm kidding. I'm <laughs> right. Oh, um, there you go. Or you didn't hear it. Yeah. What did you say? Yeah. yeah. What did you say? Um, 
and stammer. Uh, no, stammer, that's stammer. actually not. That's not what I mean. So oh, okay. If you if you if you would read what it says in the report, um, he <laughs> Good. he's an opportunistic passer in that I think his playmaking is more a product of him not being able to get the shot that he was looking for on the play, or you know sometimes it's that just the play call is designed where the primary option is for him to pass it off. So okay. obviously it's not like he, I don't think he's the kind of player that if the play call is for him to pass it off, he refuses to do that. Although there were there were clearly plenty of times where he saw an opening and he took it anyway or took a heat right. check when he wasn't supposed to. But I think it's that Kyrie, who's really good at especially that pass that you were just describing, he's really good at that kind of uh, the, you know the right hook pass to the uh, to the short uh, to the what do you call it the skip pass to the other elbow or even the Rondo esque you know kind of like turning and overhead behind, you know throw oh, okay. to the yeah. far corner like he can do those passes pretty well, but he didn't do it as much as he should have because i think he was usually trying to get to that floater game a little bit more so right maybe that'll change in brooklyn yes i mean the uh, shooters he has around him can be pretty deadly and we have a we have a super chat already nick tinson thank you so much that's nick's need to stay together so uh it's a fantastic super chat this is how you get your question right to the top and let's break in we have breaking breaking question which quote-unquote new team is the most underrated and overrated so that's interesting because we have a, we, what are the new the new teams we're talking about? The Clippers, the Nets, the Warriors. Who else are we talking about? Do we uh, do we consider the, the Rockets, the Lakers, and the Rockets? Okay, so yeah. overrated. I I might go with the the Lakers. And yes, I'm being yeah. passive aggressive yeah. out there, guys. I I, mean, I kind of agree with that. Also, now that I'm, I'm seeing on the YouTube chat for some reason, it looks like there's a cloud in front of my face. I it does. You look like there. you are, but, um, you know, Jesus. I have no idea what's going on. It looks normal on my screen, but oh well. Yeah. Uh, but know. so yeah. maybe I, maybe I am Jesus. I did finish Hebrew school. So um, how's your carpentry? I, I think I <laughs> not very good. So I I think that Philly is probably the one that is my early pick. And I'm probably responsible for that because I think right away yeah. after they made all those moves, I said these guys are clearly going to be the best team in the East. And now that I've had a chance to you know, really digest everything, I guess I am a little bit worried about um, them having a, like a closer that they can rely upon. And, I mean, I, I don't know. Horford has traditionally been a really clutch shooter, so – it's not like they don't have people that have the kind of like the clutch gene in them or that you can count on to score at the end. But it's just that Butler is the kind of guy that you could do clear outs for that. You know, if the defense is really on the night, you could just you can really just go to him and have him get those, you know, get those big shots for you in the last you know three or four possessions of the game, which I guess is something that matters mostly just, I guess, at late stages of a playoff series. I think during the regular season, it's not that vital. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and they're their talent is so overwhelming and their defense is so unbelievably stacked that I think during the regular season, they're not going to have any problems. So they, they definitely could be a 61 team. So much of it just depends on Embiid. I mean, you know, I I've been saying this for years. I've talked to many people in Philadelphia's organization, people around Joel Embiid, everyone has agreed that he needs to get in better, better shape. And it seems that the public has generally kind of caught on to the fact that he isn't, his conditioning is definitely a little bit of an issue. He just needs to reduce his body fat a little bit. Um, I guess there's other things of being in shape, but I'm, I don't, I'm an expert on all that stuff. But like, right. Embiid is like him being in shape has nothing, to, very little to do with his capability. It's all about his stamina, 
particularly in the playoffs. And we've right. seen that become a factor. We've seen it be a factor throughout the regular season. Obviously, it's just it's a big thing for somebody who has, who has a ton of injury risk to have a long and healthy career, which we obviously are all hoping for. Right. So, I mean, if he if he really is going to be in shape, because apparently he's gotten into better shape. Um, if that if that is the case, one, he's probably right up there high for uh, an MVP candidacy. And two, I think that really kind of determines the ceiling of whether or not Philly can be one of the main title contenders this year because they definitely can be. Yeah, but I, but they can also be put in that overrated category as well uh, as for the reasons that I think we went just went through where you did. Uh, the Lakers, too. I just don't know. I mean, the Lakers actually, you know, low-key did the, the right moves they needed to do with what they had left, which was get some shooters. Uh, I, Rondo was back to, to help facilitate the offense. So there's, there's pieces there. I just don't know how well that's going to work together. Brand new coach. Um, now, what about underrated? I mean, I, we can't underrate the Clippers, right? I, I put them at the top as it is. Um, you know, uh, oh, the Rockets could be overrated, uh, right? Uh, yeah, well, maybe they're rated. Yeah, maybe the everyone too. sort of is, is concerned with Russ being there. I don't know. Um, well, underrated. I think, I think everyone's looking at the Rockets as probably you know, upper tier of the Western Conference, but nobody has really any idea. Like, they're a high, high variance team. Probably the second highest variance team to the Lakers. Yeah, I'm trying to think. I mean, I guess the Nets have a pretty high variance depending on how right. how Kyrie clicks because that can they can either be like a 55 win team or they could be a 43 win team. So yeah, no, oh, and then the Jazz, the Jazz could very well be the most underrated team of them all if Conley could ever stay healthy and be productive. Um, I think he's a really big upgrade to Ricky Rubio, and um, that's exciting to me because you know Ricky Rubio has posted some of the all time worst shooting you know seasons by a starting guard ever in the NBA. And you, I just feel like at some point you're not going to win that way. You know, I have my issues with Gobert as well when you get down to like the, you know, second or third rounds of the playoffs with him. Uh, and that's another issue where it could just be a fatal flaw the way the team is constructed. But without question, they, they did do an upgrade with Boyan and with uh, Conley going there. Uh, that's really going to help them, um, you know, in, in what will you know, be such a dogfight with Denver and with everybody else. Uh, but they should be better. And I, I think we should dive in on them before we do that, just to finish off this list of underrated. Nuggets and Blazers, I'm seeing some commenters saying that they think that they're underrated. Yeah. Um, I, I I don't think they're underrated. I think that the consensus on the Nuggets has been is that they're right there at the top of the West. And then the Blazers are a team that I guess has to be perennially underrated because they just on paper do yeah. not have the talent to finish where they always finish, and they always do. Yeah. So. And, and I mean, it certainly feels like the Blazers are probably going to make a change at some point this season if uh, if they're not off to a really strong start. So uh, interesting, gonna, yeah, yeah. It's it just I mean, last year they kind of topped out. So well, you know, yeah. We'll but I, and I but, but I love what the Blazers did. I love how they upgraded their positions. I feel like they needed to upgrade Aminu, and they did. I feel with Rodney Hood's an upgrade. They uh, Harkless I actually liked, but then they upgraded him to um, oh goodness, who did they get for Harkless now? They brought somebody else in. Anyway, somebody tell me in the chat, and I'll remember. Jeez. At um, any rate, I, you know, here's how bad it's been. I've been staring at so much footage today. My mind is so crazy on this offseason. I started to wonder what it would look like to have DeAndre Jordan and Jared Allen on the court together. Which, oh, yeah, you know what I mean? Like, think about it. They, they should be able to get every offensive rebound. Right? And then, and then they could cram it in pretty well. So now you're talking about trading, you know, 
twos for threes, but the threes, you know, at a 35, 36% clip versus, you know, 100% or 90 for those guys that they get the ball on an offensive rebound. So I don't know, man. I'm, I, I think uh, I would love to see it just for fun to see what would happen. Okay. Well, for one, I think Ken Bazemore is probably who you were thinking of. Um, we'll we'll have to see what the commenters are saying. Ken Bazemore, as far as probably. oh yeah, I'm sorry, Bazemore, yeah. absolutely, yeah. yeah. So, and, uh, now and, is Bazemore an upgrade on like Harkless? It's a, that's really debatable. But not really. Just they don't, a different yeah. player. I, I yeah. personally like Harkless more, and I like I like uh, Aminu more than Rodney Hood. But they're just very different types of uh, players. Probably same aggregate output, I guess you could say, even though they're very different. I don't know. As a coach, I'm I'm supposed to like Aminu, but I just his game never developed the way I wanted it to. So, I asked Jared to step out of the room for a second because I want to tell you about something a little bit personal and well embarrassing. Have you ever tried to shave your? You know, let's try it this way. Imagine you've got two basketballs in your hands, and you're really concerned with keeping them smooth so they're fresh when they bounce. Okay, well. Sometimes you might nick them and they don't bounce right and they really hurt when you try to score. Well, I've got the solution. Manscaped. They've got an electric trimmer called the Lawnmower 2.0, guaranteed to keep those balls smooth and nick-free. No snagging, no scene from There's Something About Mary. For God's sake, don't use the same trimmer on your face as you're using for your uh, basketballs. Everybody knows that to dribble properly, you need good, clean, fresh balls in your hand. And if they get too smelly or cracked, Manscaped has the Crop Preserver that will keep those balls smelling good and moisturized. Right now, you'll save 20% plus free shipping and a free leather travel bag that is simply awesome with the code BREAKDOWN at Manscaped.com. So don't get caught holding your balls in your hand without Manscaped. And make sure you tell them Coach Nick sent you by using my code BREAKDOWN for 20% off at manscaped.com. Sure. Okay. So before we – so let's go back to Brooklyn, and then we can jump into Utah. Brooklyn, if they're doing a lineup where it's both Jared Allen and DeAndre Jordan, again, why the hell did they sign DeAndre Jordan when they have Jared Allen? But We know why, don't we? Yeah, of course. It's just it's really sad. Um, but so, <laughs> I mean, you know, DeAndre is worth ten million dollars a year. It's just that not for that team, and so that team has to have three great shooters around those guys who are switchable defenders, right? Because there's not going to be a lot of lineups where you where Jared Allen at the four makes a lot of sense. But right. I guess it'll be enough that it works. And I think Allen can be capable of defending stretch fours or even wings that are playing the four decently well. Uh, I'm sure teams will. I mean, I, I, if if that lineup is out there, I probably want to go small and try to have Jared Allen trying to chase a shooter around screens to get completely lost, you know, something of that nature. But so, right. you know, what what is so the point is what is that Nets lineup that you're putting out there? Obviously, we have Kyrie out there. Um, you know, do you do Harris and? Kuruks? I mean, do, is it just you just want to have spot up shooters around Kyrie and Kyrie's yeah. the guy running with the ball the entire time? Do you need that secondary ball handler out there? Oh, well, yeah. I mean, Spencer Dinway would, would be that guy and he could, he'd be perfect alongside him. He's the guy who brought him there practically. So, uh, yeah, the, I, they have so many options with the Nets. It's crazy. Uh, even without Kevin Durant playing, you know, and so I'm really excited. They're going to be able to get. You know, some really fun things down on, you know, down and working well this whole season. They're, they're going to be a higher seed than sixth that like they were this year. So, you know, they're going to be fourth, 
or whatever, right? Uh, they're going to be a lot of fun. They're going to be, uh, you know, probably a, a bit of a nightmare in the playoffs because any one of those guys can get hot. You know, even from Karis LeVert to Kyrie to Spencer Dinwiddie's clutch. Uh, they have everything. If if Jared Allen is having trouble, like, getting, you know, he's getting back down underneath by bigger guys, they can, you know, DeAndre Jordan can shore that up pretty easily for them. Um, so they have a lot, a lot of uh, options here. And uh, I'm, I'm really excited to see what's going to happen, how, that, how this is going to work. So who? what is the starting lineup for the Nets? Let's say that they don't start Jared Allen or, oh, well then, or so, Jordan, whomever. Oh, well, wait. They, they do start him? Well, it's either Jared Allen or DeAndre Jordan. Who do you want? Uh, Allen, but it's going to be Jordan probably. I, I wish but, it would be Allen too, but let's just either one. Okay, so it's, you, yeah. you know, whatever. You can put, plug so, one of those guys in. Okay, so you have Kyrie, yeah. Robert, Harris, and then... Is it Torian Prince, I guess? Oh, wow. I don't think Kuruks would have to start at that point. Yeah, Kuruks did start a lot of games. So he could, you know, he might have that position handed, you know, it's his until he loses it. But you're right. I mean, Torian Prince, I'm anxious to see, like, on a better team how he really is, right? I've been wondering about him. I mean, just a huge part of it is is how he shoots. Just that his, he's, he's like someone that seems like he should be a really good 3 and D shooter. Um, he shot 39% from three last year on what, like five and five and a half attempts or so. Yeah. So, I mean, he like statistically fits that profile, but everyone that I talk to that is around the Hawks says that, t- that they were glad that Tory Prince got traded because uh, they just don't see huge upside with him. And like, he just finished his age 24 season. He's still pretty young. Yeah. And he really, he really fits that Jay Crowder bill from a couple of years ago. Uh, of just like you know, big, tough, rugged, switchable defender. Except that his defense is not actually good. Even though it <laughs> seems like it should be a good defender, and maybe that's I don't. Know. I mean, I really like Kubrick, so yeah, I would love to see him hold the starting spot. But I think he was starting a little bit by necessity last year, rather than necessarily complete merit. But hey, I mean, he was good enough to hold on to that spot for sure. Yeah, I know. Uh, for sure. Yeah. And so, I mean, like I said, they have a lot of uh, a lot of possibilities here because, yeah, Joe, Joe Harris will start and he, you know, I mean, here's the thing. These guys are young. They're going to get better. Like they should be better than they were last year. Uh, and, you know, everyone improves. But like I, I would imagine that that's going to be a real big thing for them. Um, and they lost a couple guys. They lost like what's who they lose? Like, well, looking here, Jared Dudley is gone. Eh. Uh, uh, Hollis Jefferson's also gone. Right. Yeah, which I mean that that had to happen with all the depth right. that we have at that position. Demari Demari Carroll's gone, which you know he wasn't didn't really help. Although those guys got replaced by better players. I mean Dudley definitely could be useful on this team, but they got Garrett Temple, who's the other oh, yes. Dudley type in the league. So. And I, I really liked him. Yeah. It was a great pickup for them too. He's really just solid and a good guy to be like the seventh eighth guy off the bench. So uh, yeah, they they've done some terrific stuff. So again, the 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 floor for them in my mind is fourth floor. Um, and we'll have to find out, you know, what, how if they can, how much higher they can play above their heads. But yeah, that should be where they are at least. I mean, in, Indiana also, I feel like should be right, right. up there too. So Depot I would, is back I would to start. Yeah, I, I think floor is probably five. You know, it seems like that's the class okay. in the Eastern Conference. Who knows how good Miami is when you put a potent scorer like Butler on that team? I don't think defensively it's an upgrade because Josh Richardson is one of my favorite defenders in the league. So yeah, I feel like. Butler, I mean, Butler and Richardson are pretty similar, except that Richards, uh, Butler is just a much more dynamic scorer and playmaker. Right. But like Miami, I don't think they took a massive leap forward. So, but they're no. probably 
pretty close to that tier right there. Yeah. And on the flip side, like I see Richardson replacing Reddick in their lineup in the Sixers, which I think is a huge upgrade defensively for them. So, you know, it's never a good idea to let your emotions get the best of you while you're coaching. And it's certainly not a good idea when you're trying to decide what to wear out in public. I know I'm constantly trying to find clothes that are really comfortable, but are also really stylish to wear out as well. And at Roan, I finally found the one place for premium activewear that is engineered for unparalleled quality and comfort. Slip on their Spar crew neck and you'll know exactly what I mean. It's ridiculously soft and has stretched to it, making it seem like it was designed exactly for you. Do you consider yourself a modern man? Well, Roan has something for you for every occasion. Their selection of premium shorts, shirts, tank tops, socks, and swimwear has you literally covered for every situation, and they're perfect for the office or the gym. And now, Roan has just released their amazing new commuter collection, perfect for looking great and staying comfortable at the office. There's no question the style is familiar but unique, as it rides the line between absolute comfort and the need to look appropriate in an office setting. I'm a sucker for pullovers, and their Sequoia quarter zip is awesome because you can have a nice collared shirt underneath it to get the perfect mix of business and casual. And that goes for everything in the commuter collection, from pants, polos, shorts, and shirts that are all lightweight, comfortable, and wrinkle-free. Go to roan.com slash breakdown today and use promo code breakdown to get 20% off your first purchase. That's R-H-O-N-E dot com slash breakdown, promo code breakdown for 20% off. Roan.com slash breakdown, promo code breakdown. Where do we want to jump next as we start to Well, we said we were going to do Utah, so. Oh, oh my God. The the commentators are are mentioning Ed Davis. Yes, they lost Ed Davis, but they replaced him with DeAndre Jordan. Yeah. That's an upgrade. Mean, pretty, pretty similar players in a lot of ways. Yeah. I would rather have Ed Davis at his price than DeAndre at his price. Oh. Hey, I mean, DeAndre phoned it in ever since he left the Clippers. If he stops right. phoning it in, he could be really, really good. Yeah. So. And you know what? You have, you have a good point because at, at some point there's a limited return on DeAndre Jordan at, at that price. You're right. And if you could find Ed Davis for a lot less, then it's a no-brainer. So that's actually a good point. Where did Davis go again? Do you remember? Uh, to Utah. Which oh, is, he went to Utah. Okay, so let's get let's give them a next. few minutes. Uh, you know, the Utah Jazz fans are really upset at me because I haven't been doing this video I need to do on on them. I don't know why, but I, I will eventually. Um, but I, I did mention them, and I don't know if you even agreed or, or concurred or, or disagreed with what I said earlier about about Utah. What do you think? I think they're amazing. Um, there's a the questions that we have with Utah are like such I think are such relatively small issues that. Mm-hmm. It's. It seems like they're destined to be, a, you know, an elite team this year. I wouldn't be surprised if they had the if they have the best record in the NBA. Okay, the yeah. They're constructed. And then we got to look at the schedule too, because as, as I recall, if I if I recall correctly, they had this like terrible gauntlet for the first like couple months of the season, and that's sort of why they struggled. Yes. And once they got out of that, they were much better. But then you know, and that might have helped them, you know, get steeled for the rest of the, for the playoffs. But uh, yeah, it, it's time. This is the season. If they can't put it together this season, then I just blow the whole thing up at this point. I trade Gobert. I, you know really? what I mean? Yeah, it's like it, 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 this is like what you get stuck in with like Washington. They, 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 they tried this wall deal thing for way too long, and now they're slowly kind of breaking it up. But, you know, I feel like at this point, I have a lot less patience for this kind of stuff. If you get three, four years down the line and you're not like quite breaking through, then it's not working. It's time to do something radical. So that's what I would say. 
Well, so the thing is, I don't think trading Rudy Gobert would be blowing it up. I think it's well. I guess the core. Well, they already lost favorites, right? So their core is Mitchell, Ingles, and Gobert, right? And yeah. Dante Exum is still there. That's like the core that has been held over. And then Royce O'Neal became a part of that last year. Then they add Mike Conley this year. Um, you know, and then they they brought in a new bench of Moutier, Davis, and Jeff Green as the wing, right? And then. Am I forgetting someone? I mean, George Niang hasn't done that much yet, but you know has some potential for rotation. Nigel Williams Goss is a backup point guard that they just you know drafted. So um, now you're making yeah, me there's... down on Utah. <laughs> really? So I don't know. Okay. <laughs> I love it because oh, I, I forgot Boyan. They brought in Boyan, and so um, they so they just they have every type of score now offensively. The only the only type of score they don't have is like a really good post up guy, which most teams aren't really using except for like maybe five times a game. So, and I mean, that's because they lost favors and whatever they can live with that. So I love it because they both can do the kind of, you know, high pick and roll or pick and pop base offense. They can do the stuff that they've been doing with Gobert and Mitchell getting triple handoffs. They can do dribble handoff actions or pistol actions with pretty much everybody in their starting lineup now. Um, so, Gobert is going to have so many great roles. I mean, just think about it. It was one thing when they were running pick and roller and doing DHOs with Joe Ingles, who's great. Uh, but then also now with Boyan out there, it's like Gobert is going to get so many easy roles at the hoop. So I agree that they're they're pretty much going to have to go sink or swim with Gobert this year. This 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 is the year where they find out if he's really going to work, you know, for the rest of his career and whether or not they can win the title with him. But they put him in the position for the conditions to be as e- like easiest as possible offensively for him to show that you don't need to take him off the floor late in games. Uh, okay. Well, well, we'll find out. And again, it's also matchup centric. So the Rockets play them, then they, they can get him off the floor uh, for, I would say half the, you know, three or four of those games. And if, you know, the other games he could stay. So we'll see. Um, but I don't know. It, I guess what we're saying is, the, the West, again, is as loaded as it's ever been, uh, one through ten. And the East is finally loaded, I think, one through, what are we going to say, five, six? Yeah, yeah. You know, I, we have to figure out, like, what Toronto's story is because, you know, without Kawhi, you know, are they, are they going to be able to sustain anywhere near what they kept up with the last year? What do you think? Yeah, no, I don't know. I want I want your thoughts on this. Um, well, I mean, listen, you know, Siakam is going to get better. Uh, they'll have OG. Uh, you have Lowry, who, you know, he's getting older, but he probably could squeeze out another year of being, you know, where he's been. Um, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm forgetting. Uh, well, they have uh, Ibaka still. I mean, so, you know, they have they have a team. They have a team that should be top four or five. They, they're, you know, they're in that same mix. No, I mean, I think the Nets are better than them, but they're in the top, you know, top half of the East, right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Sure. Uh, well, so, not top half, but they they should be a playoff team. Oh, okay. So you've not you put me in lower. So yeah, I, I and, but you know, and they have a championship championship pedigree now, so that that stands for something. 
So, um, yeah, so, I mean, even if they're like, if they're fifth or they're sixth, then, yeah, then that means the other five in front of them, you know, that's pound for pound going up against the West. I, I kind of like that. for the, And, again, the first time we've had it like this for a long time where uh, only if only KD was in the East and playing this year, uh, you know, I just would feel like, oh, my God, we're getting, it's sort of tilting back toward the East a little bit, um, whereas it was always so much tilted in favor of the West. So we're finally getting somewhere, and maybe we can stop arguing to have a playoff seating of 1 through 16. And, and, and ignore the, the conferences. Oh, Van Vliet, too. Absolutely. Happen, but I would love that. Oh, yeah, sure. Yeah. Yeah. So, and yeah. There, there's some skepticism about what OG is going to do once he's finally healthy because I think he looked, he looked really good in the role that he was in early on. He's going to be in a much more, he's going to have more offensive responsibility. Um, but he, uh, I mean, I really like his game, and yeah. he was someone that I thought should have been taken uh, much higher in the first round, so they got a real steal out of him. And, of course, the reason why he was out for most of last year was an illness. It wasn't necessarily an injury, so right. you know, hopefully this injury thing is really behind him. Uh, he also has the best uh, uh, Twitter presence, which, uh, which is I want to get into now. But I guess the question is really, you know, can Lowry and Fred really emerge? And then is Siakam going to continue to, to, you know, make that exponential increase because right. you know, the playoffs were very up and down for him. You know, Siakam, I think continued to show in the playoffs that he has that incredible potential and he has that all NBA potential uh, even offensively, but just that there are certain matchups where you really take him out of his game and he needs to show that he can be a real off the bounce player rather than just a transition off the bounce player. So yeah, that's, well, he's yeah. one of the he's one of the guys that I'm most excited to see because I feel like he can be an All NBA player this year, even and definitely right. an All Star this year. And by the way, what's interesting about well, like so they lose Danny Green, so it looks like like Norman Powell is going to start for them at the two guard, um, which will be interesting. Uh, although they could go big, I guess you could go Aninobi and Siakam and Gasol and like they didn't go Lowry and Van Vliet. I mean they they have some options too, a little bit here, but they're definitely going to be you know Patrick McCall. I think is still around, right? Uh, I don't. I think he's still with them. I can't remember yeah. now what his contract situation is, but um, either way, so they have some 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 possibilities yes, yes. here. I don't even know what Jeremy Lin's story is, but what he's doing. But nonetheless, uh, you know, so. uh, he might be going over to play in China. I believe was that oh, the really? report today. All right. Well, hey, listen, he'll make a lot of money. And that's that's nice. Um, well, listen, speaking of making a lot of money, I think it's uh, this is a great show. And it's always nice to get back with <laughs> you is. and, um, you know, uh, recap all these things and have everybody out there live interacting with us and, you know, asking some good questions. Uh, and let me just see if there's any quick question on the uh, what, before we break off here from um, Periscope. I thought I saw something here, but now I cannot find it. Here it is. So, uh, well, you know, let's see here. Um, somebody asked about the Suns. Uh, Ethan Nien, uh, 168, asks, where will the Suns be in the Western Conference standings? The bottom, right? Yeah. Uh, let's see. Worst teams in the West. Worst teams in the rest. Uh, Minnesota should be better. Okay. You know, Dallas forgetting? is going to be better. Dallas should be better. Um, yeah. Why am I uh, so much you know, out? You know, New Orleans is going to be better. I'm looking at the teams who didn't make the playoffs. The Kings, the Lakers, you know. like It's hard to imagine them vaulting over any of those guys. Memphis. Maybe Memphis will be worse. Yeah. Memphis will be worse. Yeah, Memphis. There okay. we go. Memphis. So there you go. I mean, who knows? Maybe Triple J will obviously triple double this year. Uh, right. Um, and now, yeah. The, okay. The Suns, the Suns didn't really do anything to improve from last year. I mean, 
Rick, the Ricky Rubio signing was not that was not a good deal for a guy that's in his prime and has kind of already topped out with this game. Um, you know, the Sharich trade, I, I wasn't I, that trade looks worse because they took someone at 11 that nobody thought was even going to go in the mid first round, let alone even in the first round. So that just looked kind of insane. Like, what is what is the point of making that trade back if you're going to right. you know, take a crazy reach? I mean, they, they for fuck's sake, they pass on Brandon Clark. So many people pass on Brandon Clark, but they yeah. specifically of all the teams that would do it. That one really hurt. Yeah. Yeah, it's, I don't know what they're doing. It doesn't seem like they have a plan, an overarching idea here. Um, I did see an interesting thing about this. Uh, people, Brandon23 wants to know about the Spurs. Uh, they kind of held tight as well. Uh, nothing changed for them, for them right? They, they said they're going to get DeJounte Murray back. Which is a huge, that's a huge re-addition. Yeah. Um, and that's going to be tough because, um, yeah. yeah. They got Marcus Morris, and then they didn't get Marcus Morris. Um, don't forget Lonnie Walker also is going to be healthy, and... I really like his potential. He's a very exciting player, a very unique player for them. I don't think he really fits the mold of, you know, of, of a lot of the guys that they have. So that'll be really exciting. Um, you know, they, they lost Bertans for nothing because of Morris backing out, which, you know, I, I guess will hurt them a little bit, but I don't think it's going to have a huge impact on them. Um, and, you know, they got Damari Carroll, who will probably fill his role to a degree, ironically. Yeah. So yeah. I mean, there's still like a there's still a deep team, and and you know, Yaka Pertle and Brent Forbes get a year better. Those are guys that look like they were really coming into their own last year. And Forbes was, you know, Forbes' uh, shooting numbers were off the charts last year. So now, yeah, yeah. between, I mean, they're 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 really stacked. And Trey Lyles is like a huge question mark. I did I barely got to see him play in Denver last year. When he was on the floor, he looked pretty listless. But the year before last, he put yeah. up really good numbers. So yeah, you know, and. He, he could definitely fill Bertan's role. He can be the guy that just parks on the elbow and just takes spot-up threes when they come to him. So he could end up having a really good year, too. Wow. Um, well, hey, so yeah, they're, they're deep as hell. Great recap of the Spurs. Uh, unexpected at the end here to throw it in there. So terrific stuff. Uh, Jared, thank you so much for breaking this down for us, coming in and joining us. Uh, let's do this again soon, shall we? Sure, I'm interested. Okay, great. It's nice to meet you. Thank you for coming, you know, doing this for me. I really appreciate it. And uh, listen, uh, everybody out there, this is, you know, it's the off season, but we're still working hard. I'm still doing videos. Jared, you're still writing some, some articles at The Athletic, I'm right? Oh, yeah. I got right. some very interesting ones in the oven right now, but Ooh. no no features. I have, I guess the one thing I could say is I have, um, what I, I did is uh, I did a corporate risk assessment of all of the Celtics' main transaction decisions over the last couple of years, basically like during this rebuild cycle. So okay. taking unique approach to, you know, analyzing what they've been working on. So I nice. think people might find that really interesting or extremely boring, depending on your taste. So All right. well, listen, you will either be a, become a fan of mine or completely unfollow me and block me on Twitter. All right. Well, either way, I will never do that. And I'll read everything you write. So thank you so much for doing this Bye, for everybody. us, coming on. And we'll talk to you soon, probably next week. And don't forget, sports fans, that B-Ball Breakdown, we're not a channel, we're a conversation. You win. Are you in, Jared? I'm in on this first.